Welcome back to another Night Shift Football Podcast Red Edition. Adelaide United with two home games this week, one against Wellington, one against MacArthur. Two disappointing results. I've got Tommy and Cooper here with me once again. We've just recorded our weekly episode with the green logo. You can find that in your feeds. Go around, uh, check us out on your social medias. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, and keep an ear out for the pods. Boys, let's talk about these two fixtures. I believe last week we went into this saying we wanted a minimum, uh, we wanted at least four points. We wanted a win and a draw from two home games. We've come away with just two points, but with arguably better performances than we've, slightly better performances than we've showed for most of the season. Um, how are we feeling after those two games, Tommy? I'm frustrated. Yeah. I'm disappointed. But I think I'm more frustrated at the fact that I didn't think I would feel disappointed. And it's just, it's reminiscent of a lot of the games this season where I think we've performed better than I anticipated us to, but then we still haven't won the game. Not enough. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um. For me, I mean, I said that I wanted three points from these two games. Just just win one of them. Yeah, and just one, please. <laughs> now I sit here a week later disappointed that we didn't get six. Um. They were just, it, it feels like four points dropped. Um. The MacArthur game probably more so than the Wellington one, but to me in, in general, Barring the Ben Wallen red card and the five minutes that came after that, it feels like four points dropped to me. Um, and, and I agree with Tom. We had the discussion walking out of the stadium that, you know, we've now won two of our last 10 games and it's probably where we expected this team to be at this point of the yeah. season with what we thought that the strength that we had and losing Craig and were we that good. Um, but we also said that we probably didn't expect to have had results within the that 10-game stretch that we felt like we should have had more from. That's the disappointing part. Definitely. Um, perhaps we can just go through the squad. It didn't really change for both games. The only change was um, Halloran came in against MacArthur and Jovanovic went out. But I think I might start with just James Delianov. He's come into the team after a long layoff. He was looking like an excellent goalkeeper, Um until Gauchi eventually got a gig and then we never went back because Gauchi turned out to be brilliant. He's gone off to the Asian Cup now. So Delianov steps back in. Uh, a bit of a rough start for him against against Wellington the other night. Oh, slow start. He seemed to be moving in slow motion for some of the moments. Cooper's got a funny story about the, the Delianov-Gauchi situation and like the amount of times they actually switched between one another before Gauchi established himself. But... It was mainly because the two of them just kept getting injured for periods of time. Yeah, yeah, we, had, um, we we swapped between the two four times, and they neither of them really ever played a bad game until the last Gauchi injury, where Delianov had two or three pretty poor performances in a row, and then Gauchi just never looked back. Yeah, mm. I, I saw a lot of tweets about Delhi uh, in the wake of these two games, saying that he is too good to be like a number two, and he'll probably get a move somewhere. But he didn't. He definitely showed rustiness, I think, in in the Wellington game. Um, but definitely, like, grew into it. Don't you think? He made a couple of I think okay we, saves. I think we put down the. We talked about it after the Wellington game. We were happy to put that down as a bit of a forgive run. You know, yes. first first jump out first for a up while. In a while. Um, first up from a spell. Um, <laughs> but I think yeah, there's definitely some some distribution stuff going on there, and maybe I think it just. Having a feel for the game after not playing for so long, it is different. Um, it has I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, not too, to I'm not too worried. I'm not worried by it. I don't think. No, I think, not at all. I think this squad has much bigger bigger troubles than, than I think the keeper. We, 
we may actually be the strongest in our goalkeeping areas. Yeah, I, I think he's spot on too. Um, and I, I, I'd like to give a little bit of kudos to James Delianov in this situation too, because prior to that first fixture, the um, the Wellington game it had been two years and four days since he'd started a professional game of football. Yeah, um, oh, and, and a lot of discussion that in that time he'd been the utmost professional because he's a guy that signed for this club to be a number one goalkeeper. He didn't come to Adelaide to be a backup. He signed for this club to be a number one goalkeeper. He started in that slot. Obviously, like we just spoke about, the, the toss and turn between him and Gauci, and Gauci's turned into probably the best keeper this country has to offer when Matt Ryan, you know, has finishes up his international career potentially after this Asian Cup. Um, and Delhi has just been what a professional he's been, like the ultimate mm. professional to now be come in as a number one and be in the scenario he is a backup behind a guy that took over him and, and is the best Australia has to offer. But to bide his time to work hard and to finally get his goal. And I, and I I love how good this club is at bringing through young keepers and how good Stephen Hall and Ethan Cox are. But the people that think that they should have had a run in this team before James Delianov did just have rocks in their brain for me. This guy's done everything right that he possibly could have done over the last two years. And one slow moment and a bit of rust doesn't doesn't discredit that. Yeah, sure. Um, and like we said, like we said with the goal, we were kind of more upset with the defending that led to it anyway. Yeah, like that first goal against Wellington. Um was it the first it one came, or the second one? It was the first one. It came right off the back of their disallowed offside goal. Oh, that's that right. Was I'm touching go. Confusing the 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 first one that was offside. The one that gets headed back across the box mm-hmm. or knocked back across the box. Um, I think all four the defenders aren't covering themselves in glory there. They're very flat-footed. No one's really anticipating much at all. And the only one that is is Costa Barbarossus, and he's going to score half chances from much tougher positions than that. You can't be gifting him those ones. He's good, isn't he, Barbarossus? It's funny to see him come back into form this season after having a couple of quiet ones. Um, He's relishing his time back in Wellington finally. Um, playing under Italiano. And like you said, he is like your genuine fox in the box type. Like you give him a half, he's going to fucking snatch it up. And credit to him. I, I don't mind seeing him play. He doesn't really get under my skin too much. And he does a couple of cool things when they travel here. So I can't be too dis- disappointed with that. We deserved it in the sense that we did not defend two crosses. I mean, it went from uh, the left hand or their right hand side of the box back across the left hand side and came back in. If you can't deal with that, because you're so stationary in the middle, um, in the middle of the six yard box and beyond. What, like, what are we doing? Well, what are we doing? Both both goals that Wellington scored in this game were moments where we gave Barbarossa a chance to score that we shouldn't have given him, and he took advantage of it. And and you can't do that to a player that's been as good as Barbarossa has been at this level for so long. Uh, Sam and I had a little discussion at the game that this guy's probably, without sitting there and going through the list, probably a top ten A League player of all time. And if oh, you give cool. him opportunities like we part. did in this game, that he's just gonna he's gonna gobble them up, and he did. And you know, it, unfortunate because they were two really avoidable moments, and and that's potentially why we feel like we should have won this game. Oh, for sure. Did he win a John, uh, Johnny Warren, Barbarossus? I don't, uh, I don't think, think so. so. I'm going to go we with went no. through him the other week. And I, I, think mm. he, I think he potentially got caught a little bit too much in those eras where victory obviously had Barisha and, and Sydney had Ninko oh, and when he was with Wellington, the, yeah. Wellington the first time, Rui Krishna won a Johnny Warren. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, there's some spectacular names in the list. This Wellington game did see, I think we saw some a bit of a return to form from Hiro Ibasuki without the goals in the weeks prior. But then this game, um, 
he was just excellent against Wellington. I think he ended up coming off, I believe. Did he come off in this game? Yeah, he got subbed. Yeah, real, real yeah. late, like the 95th. Real minute. late, yeah. But I thought he was excellent. Um, we'll get to the MacArthur game after this one, but in the Wellington game, two goals, um, just much needed from him to find some form. And he nearly had the hat-trick and the winner, but he hit the post. Oh, yeah. Well-taken goals too. Um, it just he's threatened. Like, I think like we've mentioned over the weeks, his aspects of the play that we like about him have been slowly creeping back in, creeping back in. And he just, he decided to light it up. And do you wonder, I, I went back and watched the replay um, or the highlights of the game afterwards. And he's doing a lot of, you know, like vociferous celebrating into a certain area of the, uh, of the stands. Do you think he had a couple of fans from home out to watch him and it just, re-energized him in a way that he thought, shit, I really have to score in front of these guys. I'm a I'm a big guy that plays out in Australian football. They've traveled to come and see me. Let's get a couple of goals on the board. I for me, I think this this shape change and this formation change that Colby has brought in, whether it was whether Hiroshi Ibasuki's form was part of the reason for it or not, I think it's rejuvenated Hiroshi in in such a good way that the that he just couldn't perform in the 4-3-3 in a sense of he was always providing that outlet, that hold up, bringing it down, playing the pass. But once he'd done that, the next ball had to go through him. And by the time we were off and up the wing, he wasn't, he wasn't quick enough to be back in the box or in a good position or, or to, you know, be in a spot where a guy could pick him out rather than just putting a cross in there and hoping that he gets there. But now mm. with, with Luca alongside him or with, with Ben Halloran in the MacArthur game, there's another outlet option up front where Hiroshi can, he can hold the ball up, but then he can give it off to Ben or Luca and he can move forward and then the ball goes wide. But by the time we've done that, he's 15 meters further forward in this shape yeah, than he it. is in the four, three, three. And it just allows him to be such more of a threat in the box, but also a body that's in there early that has to be picked up by a defender has to be, yeah. someone has to be accountable for, and it's given us a lot of other options too. Yep, definitely. He loves that second striker, doesn't he? And I think, we flirted with the idea that maybe we should play two up top and it seems like we've managed to, you know, fit the entire team in a way that brings out his best attributes and maybe even uh, Luca and Benny Halloran's attributes too. Barbarossa scored the second goal after a bit of a shabby defensive Oof. effort. A rare Oof. a rare blimp on Bovelina's season so far, I think. I think he's been fantastic for Adelaide, providing a good attacking outlet and he's going to have... He's going to have the odd poor defensive moment, I think. He's still pretty raw, mm. but um, this this wasn't a good one, but he'll know it. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we I saw it. We see it again. Do you reckon he's misjudged how fast the ball's coming in? And do you reckon his initial thought is, I'm just going to chest this back to Delhi, and he's going to take it really cleanly and it's going to look nice. And then in the last second, he's like, shit, this ball is coming real quick. I'm just going to try and flick it the other way. Maybe, yeah. I just, I sort of just Got think it he wrong. Gets- he gets he stuck sort of almost on the goal line and he's in a position where the ball's coming at him and he has to make a decision. And I just think he's inexperienced and just made the wrong one and it's yeah. going to happen. It well, was funny. No one no one in the crowd really gave it to him though. Everyone was sort of just like, ah, shit. We said it's not good, but no one's piling yeah. on. Um, hmm. And then Ibasuki, obviously, who we talked about, popped up at the second. Ben Wallen got sent off at the end. Um Good red, had to take it. Yeah, great challenge. I love it when a centre-back takes the bullet like this. He knew it. The ball was past him and he's like, oh, fuck it. Let's take him out. This challenge just caused a 
a week of mind bo- or four days of mind boggling views and comments <laughs> on on what occurred in this moment. One that got a, a surprising amount of love on the actual Adelaide United full time post of a guy stating that Ben Warland's lack of pace was the reason for the red card here. Ben yeah. Warland knew exactly what he was doing. He made a decision. It was the right decision. I perhaps jokingly said to Sam at the time that it might be the best thing he's done in an Adelaide United shirt since coming back. <laughs> Good and it was, but it was, this is exactly what you want your centre back to do in this scenario because people have short memories and four or five games before, whenever it was against MacArthur, we got put in exactly the same situation and it was Luke Dazelle on the halfway line and he made the decision to not bring the player down. He tried to defend it. We conceded and we lost the game. The same thing happens here. If Wallen, if Wallen gets beaten in this scenario, which he was, they're two on one with Delianov and we lose a game we should have won at home. I'm really thankful that he made the decision that he did. There were some people arguing that Delianov would have got to the ball regardless if Wallen took him out. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's, it's a red every day of the week. Everyone is watching football knows it. Um, yep. I think he's a legend for doing it. For me, overall on this game, it, it really did feel like that although we conceded two it felt like another big opportunity miss where we had really strong, especially in that second half. I thought after the after going behind and then scoring pretty soon after, we pretty much controlled it until the last few minutes. Um, and then it looked like we might lose it because we could, we got the red card and we we're under the pump for the last last five or so and plus stoppages. So um, in the end, it was like oh, should have been a win. Could have also easily been a loss. Um, I don't know if we feel the same about the MacArthur game. So we go into the MacArthur game. We've got pr- pretty well the same lineup. Um, Halloran comes in instead for Jovanovic, uh, perhaps perhaps getting a bit of an earned rest. He's been excellent lately. Um, Ansel comes back in after being subbed off at half time. And we knew he was under under an injury cloud um, after the Wellington game, that substitution. But then he got subbed mm-hmm. off at half time again in this one. What's going on here? Was he not declared? Unfit during the week, Cooper? No, not he was under a cloud. He was, yeah, there was obviously he came off at half time, and, and the Robbie Cornthwaite tweet came out and said that Nick Ansel was come off at half time through an injury, and then nothing was said, and he was just named in the squad without anything okay. being said. Um, for some reason, I mean, Lockie Barr was in the extended squad and somehow didn't make it onto the bench. And we actually went centre back was on the bench in a game where we had Wallen suspended and we had to start a centre back that we knew was under an injury cloud. And then when obviously he wasn't good to, they might have known baffling in, to me in the start that he was going to only play forty five minutes. But I think if they knew that, they would have either just started Barr Why would you do that? or had him yeah. on the bench. Um, so Isaias has to go into centre back. Johnny Yell comes on for Nick Ansel at halftime and Izzy goes into centre-back. And might I add, I thought that he was far and beyond the best player on the pitch, especially after he did move to centre-back. He was excellent. Um, mm. Yeah, Izzy at centre-back. Just, just a, a, a weird decision. Just such a weird decision to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, What, what do you put it down to, Sammy? Is it just, do we not trust Barr? Uh, if he's, I, I don't know. If I he's know. not injured, then he's finished at the club if he's not playing in this scenario, right? It has to I, be. I like, don't, I yeah. Don't, yeah, I don't think that's too harsh to say, yeah. 
And I think there's a strong possibility that he is injured because we've seen in the past that players get injured yeah. and the club refuses to tell us. But, and, and well, we're Cole, speculating. Cole has trusted him before, but just on the facet mm. that we haven't been told that this guy's injured and we haven't used him, that his career with United is over and we, he's not playing now. We saw people today asking for an update on Harry Vandersaar and what the hell is going on. And <laughs> the club replied just saying, oh, we'll, we'll get back to you shortly, hopefully. Like, Cole, yeah, what are we was, doing? What was, doing? We hear you like they were almost sick of being yeah. asked. And so, well, maybe it shouldn't have got to this point. Yeah. The um, What was the word that they used on the inside of the shirt? Was it transparency? transparency. <laughs> Fucking grim. Uh, oh, <laughs> by the way, everyone, I got my membership pack while I was in Melbourne. It's here. Uh, I was whinging about that a, little, a long time ago because I ordered it a long time ago. But the pen uh, already doesn't in. work. The pen's, I've got it in my hand now. It's, it's broken already, <laughs> but... Uh, it might be more my fault the pen's broken, but whatever. Um, yeah, this game felt like we – I don't know really how we how, – how to really look at the game. I think maybe we're just overall for now. It got to the end of it, and I felt really like two teams who had – you know, we don't see many, many short turnarounds in the A-League, maybe once or twice a year. It's usually around the Christmas – uh, Boxing Day, New Year's kind of area where we play two games in a week. We don't get it very often, and it looked like two teams who were definitely suffering from it by the end. MacArthur even more so given the travel and that they played with one less day of rest. Uh, they played the day after us last week. Uh, they played the Friday night. We played Thursday. Um, but they they did what they had to do, I think, in the end after we, we, were, we were playing pretty well, getting on the ball a lot, creating maybe not clear-cut enough clear-cut chances, which is probably the issue in the end after MacArthur decided they were going to... They mostly decided to sit back and let us have it and then try to hit on the counter, didn't they? Mm. I mean, MacArthur was so leggy by the end of it, they made Josh Cavallo look decent. Whoa, which is, come on. Oh, that's a bit harsh. No, come on. He come on and he was good. Whipped a couple of nice balls in. Um, but the, the short turnarounds, it definitely wasn't... A, like, it was in full effect from 70 minutes onwards. Which is weird because, you know, we made a few changes uh, later in the piece and I thought that would invigorate us. But I think it almost had the opposite effect. And you you alluded to it. I think MacArthur probably had the best of the last five minutes, ten minutes yeah, with stoppage did. time probably. Yeah. Um, which is not a great way for us to see the game out considering that we dominated that 50-minute post-period basically yep. where we could have scored a truckload of goals. Um, so for us not to finish off when they had a shorter turnaround, a little bit concerning, I suppose, but I think you can put it down to heaps of reasons. Uh, question for, I mean, either of you that want to take it, we've spoken probably me more particularly in the last few weeks about Carl and and the tactical matchup between him and other managers. Um, we spoke heavily in the first half about how good we thought that uh, Rafael Borges Rodriguez, son of Cristiano, ex-Adelaide United striker, was yeah. in, in this game, but in particular he had a really good probably first 30-odd minutes, and he gave Ryan Kiddo a lot of problems. And then Ryan Kiddo seemed to start almost playing a little bit more defensively for that last 15, 20 minutes of the first half. We thought that after that, probably after that 25, 30, Kiddo was quite good in this game. I, I usually have a few defensive issues with him, but I think he secured it nicely and, and was good. But at half time, you know, we spoke about how good he was and Kiddo had locked him up a little bit and Jed Drew had been a little bit of an anomaly on the other side, not getting involved. Um, they came back out after halftime and Melissa Joski had put 
had swapped his wingers yeah. and Raphael was then playing on the left side of the MacArthur attack, running into the space left by Giuseppe Bovellino because he is such an attacking fullback. Yeah. And he then just continued to light the game up for another 20 minutes or 30 minutes until he came off and was just so dangerous. He so hit the post twice in this game, created a couple of really good uh, opportunities. Villarreal Maine should have buried one in the first two and a half minutes of the game that Raphael created for him. Mm. Um, I just wonder, like, why are we at a point where is is this just Cole backing in Bovelina to do a defensive job and and use his brain a little bit more and, and be a little bit more defensive. Or is it more like Melissa Jovsky seeing this and, and made a tactical move, but then there's no mirroring move from Kyle, and that's a little bit concerning to me. I think you don't want to be swapping fullbacks when they're one footed. Uh well, yeah, more, I just you know what I mean? Like I yeah. I just wonder if at a point I, that you think, okay, maybe it's a it's a Javi Lopez job if they're going to go attacking winger on, on Bovelina, if they're going to try and overload that side because we know that this guy's a bit of a defensive liability, not because of his ability, but because of how often in, he gets forward. Tom and I noted at most points in this game when United had the ball that Giuseppe was actually in between Hiroshi and um, and either Nesta or, once he come on, or Ben Halloran. Mm. I'm sorry, Nesta, but he was in between the striker and the winger and yeah. he was so high up and it gave us that extra outlet and, and that option and we looked so much better going forward because of it. But when we turned the ball over and we got countered, we had a lot of two-on-two, two, almost even three-on-two situations to defend at times because of it. Is yeah, that I, just the way that we that we set up though? I think and it's just Carl's the nature relying of, on us winning those individual battles? I think it's just the nature of attacking fullbacks and it's mm-hmm. just that's why you play the, the double pivot, as you'd say. Um, which was kind of eliminated also at halftime with Ansel coming off and Ansel going back and Yule coming into that role. It's doing it a little bit differently to what Izzy and Tony would do. Yule very much a bit a bit more, um, I guess, forward-looking and forward-running, I guess, uh, rather than just kind of sitting back in that hole, whereas ordinarily there would be, you know, Popovich just peels off to the right, um, one of the, one of the centre-back, uh, one of the centre-mids either drops out to the wing to cover or... Or um or drops in for Popovich to go wide, but mm. it's just going to happen. I, it happens on you know we've had a lot of counter attacks where we've conceded, and people are going, oh, where's like where is Kiddo? Where's Bovalina? But this is this is football. They're they're fullbacks. They get up. They join the attack. Um, that's that's why you need such solid defensive midfield players these days. Mm. And it's also another point for maybe we need to be doing more in attack, not to rinse the ball so often that we're getting counted every 10 yeah, minutes. That's that's part of it too. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do think Kiddo was great last night. I thought he, we know he has this in him, the the attacks though. When he makes those, when the, the team is on top and he makes those um, attacking runs where he's linking up with other players and then darting in behind, sometimes he runs on the inside channel, sometimes he runs the outside channel. He's got the pace. And he was picking out a few crosses. Like I think we perhaps weren't getting, aside from Ibasuki, no one else really getting in the box though. And I know Kido missed hit a couple that went straight to the keeper, but the others were kind of we're putting him into dangerous areas and creating a bit of a scramble, which was eventually cleared. But we still weren't really creating clear cut chances to score from, uh, and that perhaps was a bit of a frustration. I might bring the combo over to Nestor here and Kunda because. I don't know about you guys. I think Nestory has had two fantastic games here. Um, although I think we could all see towards the end of this MacArthur game that he was pretty, pretty well spent, and then was making 
sometimes he does make poor decisions. That's the nature of a 17-year-old professional footballer. Uh, but some of the shots he was trying to take on towards the end were, <laughs> were getting the crowd a bit frustrated. But I think that's... Um, I'll let him off the hook here. It's more on Carl, I think. You want to give him a pass because Carl didn't drag him. I'm not giving him a pass, but I, I, yeah. I, come on. The guy there was, was some. He was done. There were some audacious attempts at goal. And like, was. Um, that was early in the game. But you could see later in the fixture, you know, just overhit crosses. Um, he did a few of those consecutively. He wasn't quite penetrating the fullback as much as he was earlier in the game. Yeah, he probably is spent, and maybe we should bring him off earlier. Um, but there is still a huge element of Ness's game, which I love. And, like, he is a huge reason of why we go every game is to see a guy like this play. But there are moments where he should be passing or he shouldn't be shooting. Sure. Or if he's going to take a shot, do it a sure. little bit better, you know, control it a little bit more. Yeah. But outside of that, I, I agree with you. I think he's been enigmatic. He's been fantastic. He's He's been an absolute bright spark. Um in situations where the the game goes dead and like if we're controlling the tempo and we slow it down, we can give it to a guy like Nesta who's just going to explode, absolutely open up, hopefully a stagnant opposition defense. And he did that um, really well in the Wellington game uh, to set up uh, one of Ibisuki's goals. And he was just, he was everywhere again in this game. I love, I love the freedom that you get when you play those two number tens and he can switch and play right, play left. He can come through the middle I think it really does add another dynamic to his game. He should have had an assist in this one too. Heroes missed a, a oh, it just oh. had to be a goal. Had to be a goal. Worst miss of the season. Uh, like it was yeah, such a, a sitter. If you see bad. the replay again. Oh. I'm sure yeah. that idiot from Western United's got a few though. <laughs> Which one? I think it's Wales. <laughs> yeah. I um, <laughs> think. I thought Nesta was the best player on the pitch against Wellington. Um I don't think there was much to to rave about or talk about in this performance against MacArthur. Um, I think he was just average in another one of the bunch. Um, and but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we've gotten to a point, like we say constantly, that we expect this 17 year old kid to light the game up and tear every team that he comes up against apart. Um, he's thing- um, he's pivotal in the goal though. I thought it was great last night again. Yeah, it just mm. it just dropped I mean, off. It dropped off a lot quicker. I'm not. I'm not calling weeks. a. I'm not calling a guy that had five shots off target in one game. Great. I'm just not doing it. No, it's, it's the dribble. It's the catch. It's the dribble. It's the carry, and then playing it's the, the link up with the link up. Open up. I, I I've shown as as much as either I thought of it was you, a mature in, performance. in the stands or in really you thought that the five shots from outside the box that went nowhere near the goal were a mature performance. I I just think don't get petty. No, well, I'm. I've put, the, of that, I, I've, I've put the gloves on to to fight for this guy as much as anyone else on this pod and in the stands and yelling at different people saying shit about him at High Marsh. But if Ben Halloran had the performance on last night, that if he'd played the game that Nestor Ehren couldn't have played, we'd be talking about it right now, and it wouldn't be he, for good reason. He basically did. No, he he didn't because he didn't take five shots for it's poor. It's and I know this kid's immature and he's got a license and whatnot. But even in the stands, there was there was one on the half volley from outside the box where oh, you yeah. just turned around and went no this. because everyone was just frustrated at him and his teammates and everything. And it gets to a point, you know, have one, have two. You're a good player. You've scored from there before. But the one that got me the most was the four on three, the four on three counter attack when he shot from the right edge of the eighteen yard box from forty yards out. No one <laughs> in world football has a license <laughs> to do that. No one. Yeah, and I just I just are, thought there was disappointing moments in this game. That's why I think those those two instances you talk about are two two 
poor decisions he's made, which yeah, sure he has. They are later. They're later on. He, he I think he was just done. Um, and it's not an ex- it's not making an excuse for him, but I still think I don't want to take away that license for him to shoot, even in the first half. He's the first couple offs. It's just his decision making, which will come and re- reading the situation. But I still like some of the times he got on the ball and drove forward. Some of the pressure that relieves on our defense for, because he's so. He lost the ball a couple of times last night, but some of the other stuff he does, working up the wing, just kind of keeping it and then cutting inside and then playing a pass so then we can switch it out to where where Clough and Kiddo were setting up or something like mm. that. Uh, I think that's just so valuable for us. And I thought he did it excellent last night. I, I think we need, that- a, we need a loose guy, someone that, that does that kind of thing. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's going to blast into the stands. I just think, um, well, two points I had to on Nesta and his when and when he was and when he wasn't in this game was that the Luka Jovanovic substitution in the 75th minute was 15 minutes too late and it was for the wrong player. I would have had Nestori probably off the pitch 60 minutes in, 65 minutes mm. into this game for Luka. Yes. And I would have left Hiroshi Ibasuki out there as a target. And then we wouldn't I've have done... got that. We wouldn't have got that half volley that was out. <laughs> that we were, yeah. <laughs> well. um, the other point I had to make <laughs> on this game is that I don't think I would have started Nestri Irankunda in this game on the basis that, like we discussed, McCarth, this was a game where after 60 minutes, it was two really, really fatigued teams that were done and had played three days ago and they then they travelled to Adelaide to play this game. I just think that someone else could have done a job in that attacking midfield slot and that with 30 25 minutes to go when MacArthur were on their last legs and absolutely dead that Anestria and Kunda that had had a little bit more of a rest than everyone else out there probably could have been more effective than he was starting this game. It comes back to the great Bernardo debacle. Essentially, it feels like a... uh, I agree with you. I think it's a very... uh, I probably would have started Nestria as well after the way he'd played against Wellington. I think Mm -hmm. it's just... It's a hindsight one where, yeah, maybe... Maybe that would have been a good call, but um, I, I just I, I think it comes yeah. with the the area that, like you said, in this league we don't actually have a lot. We usually play on a Saturday, yeah. and then the earliest stuff, the shortest break we usually get is a Sunday afternoon fixture, and then a Friday night game at Highmarsh. And yeah. eleven players can back that up every single week, and I don't think we in this country have the the mind to go that. I could put Nestor on the bench and use him like this, even after he was probably the best player on the pitch against Wellington, because people are going to take it like he's been dropped. But in mm. reality, rotating and using players for these these circumstances actually isn't a punishment. It's just just a I little guess. bit more tactical than we've got. Did anyone say Luca got dropped for Ben Halloran? I, I feel like everyone recognised well, that was good rotation. I mean, Luca just coming back from a concussion came off at half time um, mm. against. Came off a half time against Melbourne Victory, um, and then didn't feature against MacArthur. So this was this performance off the bench at half time. This was his first game back from a concussion, and I actually wondered whether he'd be cleared to play. I'm not sure if there is a a set time in the A League, but once he got that concussion against Victory, and it was two games in four days, if he wasn't available for one, I wasn't sure that he was going to be available Yale? for the other. Sorry, yeah, he's he's talking about Yale. Oh, sorry, about I thought, Yale. sorry, I thought you were talking about Johnny Yale. No, we're talking about Ivanovic. Ivanovic, um, like, because he was he was dropped. I won't say dropped. Rotated dropped for Halloran. Halloran. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think he's, Luke has done a lot of work over the last month as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deserved break. Yeah. 
It was it was good to see Johnny. No, I was keen to hear what you wanted to say about Johnny actually because I thought it was good when he came off the bench, and uh, I was watching him warm up. Like I love watching players warm up, and his touch is just sublime. And you can see that now that he's growing into that really nice, uh, almost he's almost got a free roam ten when he comes on. If he plays, especially when he played deeper against uh, Macarthur, he wasn't required like some people were saying to defend as much, and that's probably why we saw. Pep and um and Kiddo exposed as often they were by Raf. Um, I just I love watching him play. He's so far beyond his years and his ability. And if we can, if it's only if he was at the period where you could play him ninety minutes every week, like how much better off we would be as a football side. Yeah, I think um with Johnny, the fact that we lost Isaias out of the midfield at halftime and Johnny came in and it didn't feel like it made a difference to the game is a testament to how good the kid actually is. Mm, definitely. I mean, Izzy was fucking dope at centre-back as well. And we've already said that. Some of those lofted balls from back uh, to release, you know, the guys on the wing, sometimes Johnny O, you know, sometimes Josh Cavalli, whoever else. I thought we may have got the combination correct there we could play Izzy at centre-back and play Johnny next to uh, Fridge. And that, I reckon, going forward is a way more lucrative way for us to score goals. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that one of Ansel or Popovich deserves to lose their spot in the team because Izzy had a good 45 minutes at centre-back. It's a good point, but if Ansel's not fit... There was a period of time where we played Izzy at centre back for a few weeks, and against the teams that yeah, we were on, work. the teams yeah. we were on top of, he looked like the best player in the league. But when teams were on top of us and we were under the cosh, he was a little bit more of a defensive liability than an actual defender. Mm-hmm. It could be a career extender for him as he goes on. Who knows? Um, I want to talk. Oh my god, why have I forgotten what I was going to talk about? Me and Cooper blabbed on too long about. Nothing. Were you were you going to talk about Stefan Mork? Maybe we can if you want. Go on, talk about Stefan Mork. I don't have much to say. About I wasn't Stephen actually. Mork. We'll go back. We'll come back. We'll go to Stefan Mork. The last one I had here, I do want to talk about it because Josh Cavallo came on for Ryan Tunnicliffe. I was going to ask you both where you're kind of at with this guy at the moment because he he came on and he looked all right, albeit in the latter stages of a game. And like we said, MacArthur looked like there's caveats to this, you know, yes. MacArthur, MacArthur were pretty down and out by the end of this. Um, he had a few good impacts on the wing there where he looked kind of sharp, but he looked like a player that was just itching to get out and have a crack. Um, I think it's very easy to forget that this guy's first season or so at the club, he looked a genuine like starter that was going to be with like a, a very, very handy quad, uh, important squad player. Mm. I saw but a, at, what, at what position though? I saw an interesting take on, on Josh Cavallo and he played the six um, when, when he first came through with Adelaide and he came third in our best and fairest that season on half a year. Um, wow. So a pretty impressive season when he, when he first that, came to Adelaide Um and he's he was good. really, really good in that box-to-box midfielder role. And he's just another great piece of depth to have. And I think I think there was, you know, everything that happened with Josh and, and his coming out and the story and, and all the media attention that it got. I just think for any 
professional athlete at the level that is the attention that an, a squad player in the A-League gets in Australia, that that's a massive change to the way you live your life and the things that are happening for you and the distractions in the world. And there was probably distractions that he didn't deal with the ways that he should have and he didn't handle things the best, but it's all a learning curve. But a really good take that that Achilles injury that he sustained last year playing against victory in Melbourne and he missed 12 months is that maybe that that's helped push this distraction past a little bit. And now there's potentially for this guy a bit of hunger to get back. And from all reports inside the club, this guy's worked really hard to get back to a point where he could play football. And if he's going to come on and and have good 10-minute cameos or he's going to be a player that can start and play a good depth 60 minutes, then I'm all for having him because when he's at his best, we've all seen what he can do. Yeah, all credit to him as well. That turnaround off of that massive uh, injury layoff, that's huge. And to be able to actually show something immediately as well, it probably pays credence to what you were saying about his hunger and his his incentive to get back out there and you know perform well for us. I just I just quiz where we're going to play him. Like he's not he, he was good. I enjoyed watching him come on. I thought he whipped in a few a couple of really good balls. Um, but to me, he's just, just a guy he's you not can a, throw on like we like we did. You throw him on like instead of instead of Dizel. Yeah, I think he's also really good to have in a sense that he's more of a versatile guy. We've seen him play on a wing. He's been one of our best players in the six, and he's played left back for us. So I don't want to see him a, play left back. Well, I don't. I don't want to see him play left back either. But if Ryan Kidd yeah. has a hamstring and misses four weeks, I'd rather see a guy that's played left back before play there than someone that never has. Mm, I know you raise that point. I just I feel like that would be a killer for him. I just I don't think that's his best position I think, at all. I think there are. I'd worse, love to see him in the six again. There are worse players in this squad getting minutes and getting around than Josh Cavallo, so I'm all for. Oh, it. for sure. Yeah, um, it raises more questions about where, you know, where we're at with Bernardo, but we can get to that another day, I guess. I think the three of us are starting to lean towards maybe he's just not good, but who knows? Um, we'll get to it another time because let's talk Stefan Mork. Cooper, you got this one. I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, um, I mean, no confirmation as of yet, but by all reports, what we've seen on on 7 and 10 News tonight in the Robbie Cornthwaite chatter, it looks like Adelaide United plan to sign two players during this January transfer period, and Stefan Mork is all but confirmed to be one of them. Obviously, uh, left left his Japanese club uh, about a month ago now, and he's been back in Adelaide with his family, with his newborn, and and training with the club. Um, I think, as we saw, it was his preference to go back overseas, but if he couldn't, then Adelaide was the place he wanted to be. And I've heard a lot of people saying that after listening to him saying that and the things he said, talking about that on his podcast, his desire to to get back out of Australia and to go back overseas, that they didn't want him and that it wasn't the the right move for the club. But for a guy uh-huh. to... I'm all for a guy wanting to go overseas and then coming back to Australia and going, right, if I have to be here, then Adelaide is the place I want to be. Because if this guy's going to come in and play, whether it's for six months and it pushes us into the top six, because this guy is a great footballer, a former captain of the club, and he's coming back in. And for the next six months, he's going to be hungry as hell to impress overseas clubs so he can get his move again. Then he's going to play good football. And and why not, man? Why not? That's it. It's piss and town mentality to think that Stefan Morg should be devoting all of his attention right now to Adelaide United and not like, why would you not want a player that is striving to get beyond what can be, what is immediately offered to him? He's it's not like he's going to come back and just put in like a third gear shift every single time he plays. Oh, yeah, a bit of yeah. He's not one of those guys. He's, he's hungry. He loves this place. 
He had a best spell of his career was with Adelaide United. He's from Adelaide. Like, he's not going to come in here and disrespect the contract or the position that we're probably going to give him in the starting lineup. I'm also not actually convinced that if, if Stefan does, if it is confirmed, he comes back, I'm not convinced we've ever had better midfield depth than what we do now in our A-League history. I'm not convinced cool. that we've had better depth than that. And we've made signings like this. Sure. I think the perfect example is when we signed Stefan for the first time. We've never signed a player like this that hasn't been because we've lost another one. And to mm. add Stefan Mork to what we've already got, I think, is exciting. What do you think of... Um... Moving away from Stefan Mork a little bit, we noticed Carl's comments about needing players in the window because he didn't get the ones they wanted before the season. Mm. Is that who were they chasing? Did he? But before well, the season, did he not say that they like that they didn't have anyone like, before? They, before they the weren't start targeting of the, anyone. Before they didn't the start need of anyone. The... Summer transfer window, the, the Carl and the club <laughs> came out and said that they wanted to sign three players, and oh, Ryan Tunnicliffe was the only signing that we made. So I, I don't. There was right. never confirmation, or I, I haven't seen any chatter or heard rumors from anyone about who the other two players that we actually wanted to sign were. I don't even know if there were names. Perhaps it's just certain positions that he thinks we need more depth in, or we could improve mm. in. Um, what do you reckon the positions are, Cooper? I, I don't know. I'm, Left I, I, well, I wonder whether we need a, another full, whether he thought that Javi Lopez was potentially retiring at that point and mm. the club, you know, internally might have known that Harry van der Sarg was a millennium away from returning to the football pitch. They might have thought that we need another fullback. Um, I, I don't know. And especially with the new structure, we've we've lost positions that we'd have and we might need different things. I'm not sure what he's going to bring. It could be a centre-back. We know Carl's had his issues with Popper in the past. He could be looking for a more I'd, experienced centre-back. I'd have been eyeing, a, I'd have been eyeing, a, eyeing off a centre-back, and I'd be, even if Hero was in form and Jovanovic was setting it on fire, I'd still be looking at, to see what you can get as a striker. You know, goals, you know what, you need Sammy, goals. You, you say that. I almost thought um, on uh, on last night, Monday night, that when Hero came off, what we were desperately crying out for was a George Blackwood, someone mm. that could have almost replicated what Hero was doing, and it almost made me miss having Blackwood in the squad. Well, George is training in Adelaide right now, and he's looking for he he wants to get back into the A League. He's hoping for another A League gig, but um, Auckland. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if another club will offer him. I could see a team taking him on. Maybe as depth, but I, um, I reckon, I reckon when, he could have scored last night. When he left Adelaide United at the start of this season, I thought that another A-League club were going to take him on. Mm. The fact that they didn't and his spell overseas in Indonesia didn't work out, I'm not convinced that it will happen for him. Yeah. Good luck to him. Uh, no wills towards George at all. Um, no. All right. I think we're maybe done for that. A bit of a disappointing game week. Uh, just quickly before we go, We've got a home game in Sydney this week against Sydney for the Unite round where for some like reason you guys there. all the Sydney teams um, get home games that they're actually away fixtures though. So mm. someone tell me how the fuck this works and who thought it was a good idea <laughs> and they thought, ah, oh, it's all right, we'll just cancel the stupid grand final plan and we'll replace it with another stupid plan. Uh, what's going on with football? It's fucked. That's a deeper question we don't have time for, but... Um, Adelaide, away to Sydney, I'm going to call it. What's going to go on here? Because Fabio just started finding the net for Sydney. Yeah, we're going to lose 4-1 and Fabio Gomez mm. is going to score a brace. 
Yeah. At the double. That's, yeah, I I totally agree with that. But there's no, I don't see a reality where we win and there's not a chance that Gomez has to score a goal. So, because Ansel's not going to be fit. And if he is, he's going to play half an hour and then who's going to mark him? Not Barr. I'm going 2-0 Sydney. I don't think they're a kryptonite a little bit, aren't they? We find it really tough to play against them. I think I wanted to say that they would kill us 4-1 or 4-0, like you guys said, but then I didn't want to be just such a negative pod. All three of us said we concede <laughs> four goals. Like, fuck, that's grim. <laughs> it's realistic, though. It's grim. Uh, we got a bit we, of an away we could run be, here. Oh, I was going to say, we could be 10th after this weekend, so I think it's totally fair. Good. A tough couple of uh, away trips with Sydney FC and then Melbourne City away on the 25th of Jan. Um, before coming home against Central Coast, so a twelve day gate, uh, twelve day break between games coming up. Yeah, that'll be fun. Is that because the Wu game got postponed? Yes. Yeah. 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 Another. They don't have a ground. Um. Jeez. Mm. Don't make me. Don't make me tee off on Western on here again. Not again. I can't um, believe that they've moved a fixture because a team doesn't have a ground to play at and it's ground. not just a forfeit or it's like, how about you come to Adelaide where we have a ground and 10,000 yeah. people show up regularly. Go Imagine that. Here, rock up. Or just, I don't know, put some jumpers down in a in a park in and, and just have a kick. But it's just a fucking should joke. Just, should just make them play on the planned site. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's a good but idea. We'll wrap it there. Uh, thanks for listening. If you're still with us, go back, check out the Green Pod episode one's at 39, I think. It will be 139 will be there. We talked about the FA Cup. We talked about the Asian Cup. Our boy, Craig Goodwin, uh, looks like he's going to play a key role in the Socceroos run for Asian Cup glory in Qatar. That just rolls off the tongue so good, doesn't it? Craig Goodwin, glory, Qatar. Let's go. We'll leave it there. Have a good week, everyone. Enjoy, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>